there are three different parts of you that kind of create your brand. And it's the little extra something, something you bring to the table. It's the truth that you tell, the way, the way that you see things, your point of view, and then the energy that you bring to everything. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss, show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, we have badass business owner, Hillary Weiss. Hillary is a creative director, positioning coach, and founder of Statement Peace Studio. She's also the co-host of the cult favorite YouTube marketing talk show, Hillary and Margot Yell at Websites, hashtag hamya, and has had her work featured on Business Insider, The Next Web, The Observer, and more. Since 2011, she's helped thousands of brands all over the world get seen and heard and make serious cash through her one-on-one client work, writing, coaching, and videos. Nowadays, she's on a mission to help more small businesses define their statement piece, aka the bold point of view that makes them radically relevant to their perfect people. I met Hillary a few years ago at a cocktail party at the house of our mutual friend and the brilliant coach, Carolyn Herforth, who I had on the show, actually, one of my first episodes, episode nine, if you want to scroll back. And as soon as we met, I just knew we had to stay connected. It's not every day that I meet people who have really strong brands and they're in branding. And Hillary is one of them. You immediately get what she's all about. And I just love being around people who are their brands wholeheartedly. So that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. In this conversation, we chat about all kinds of things, lots of high-fiving each other and preaching to the choir since we're just so aligned in our journeys and our philosophies. We talk about finding that thing that makes you special in the world, using process to showcase that value, using visual cues to communicate it online, getting out there with content and how it doesn't have to be that fucking hard and so much more. So buckle up. Here we go. From my perspective, your superpower is really like with the words and the copy. And I think you, I think that's where it originated, but I don't know the full story. So I'd really love to, because to me, that makes complete sense. Like the copy and the words, that's where the magic is. And it seems like that's where your magic began. So would you fill me in on that? Let me tell you my superhero origin story yes. um, or super villain, but no, I, so as you mentioned, I got my start as a copywriter in 2011. So it's almost, yeah, we're flat, flat on 10 years now, which is good. I was right at a college as 21. And I actually discovered, do you know who Alexandra Franzen is? So she was a really big deal copywriter, um, still is, I believe, back in the day. And a friend sent me who was like active in the online business space. We were still in college, but she was doing graphic design. And she sent me Alex's website. And it was just the most creative, colorful, like cool thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, this is people do this? Like, this is a job? Okay. And I kind of got into the copywriting world that way. Alex was very generous, gave me my in. So I kind of got my start there. And then I started really building and building and building on the copywriting side, really kind of got my foot in the door actually with the B-School community. Although I've never taken B-School, my name got passed around and I really enjoyed working in the creative and coaching space just because it was really fun and empathetic. And, you know, some it's every, every, uh, 
industry has its ups and downs, but that's kind of where I cut my teeth. And then I want to say in 2016, 2015 area, I was invited to speak for the first time at a client event. And so from there, I started to teach copy and more than that, like messaging strategy, because I think that in the copywriting world, the focus is a lot on like the individual components of conversion copywriting, for example. Like, do you have the correct CTAs? Uh, Are the headlines working and all that? But I found that my approach to messaging was as much about the technical as it was about really bringing out the personality and point of view of the client through the words. Because there's that great saying, you know, your business is what you do. Your brand is what makes you different from everybody else out there doing exactly what it is that you do. So I really found that I enjoyed that intellectual challenge. And so around, I want to say 2017, I started flirting with coaching and creative direction, which are both what I, both, both my occupations. Now I retired from copywriting in July, 2020. I had kind of an inkling that I wanted to do broader brand strategy that I wanted to help people with what I discovered ultimately was positioning as well as visual brand. And because I'd spent so many years in the copywriting space, you know, differentiating wellness coaches who all taught the same thing from each other, I'd become very, very good at it. I found a great mentor, Sarah Ashman of Public Persona, who really taught me the creative direction ropes. And around the time that I was kind of learning the visual side, I put together my offer that is now my signature offer, which is called Power Position. And that is for creative service providers and creative brands and businesses who really are kind of tired of being best kept secrets and who are really, really good at what they do, have no idea how to talk about it or how to share Um, or how to put it to work in their offers or how to sell it. A lot of them are doing really well. So they're doing, you know, eight, 10, 15 K a month, but it still feels kind of random. Everything's referrals. So they feel kind of vulnerable. They want to start building a pipeline of leads and really start becoming a voice in the industry. And that was something that, you know, years in the copywriting world, I really specialized in. And so that kind of became the core of my coaching, which is, you know, helping people figure out what they do so well, like what their specialty is, how they do it, what's the signature framework there. And then how do we turn that into offers and an approach to content and selling that just feels really awesome and unique. And then when my training was done, I added the visual direction on top of that and the VIP version of power position. And now I do also, you know, photo shoots and in-person meetings and stuff with clients as, as part of the platinum package of power position. But I retired, as I mentioned, from copywriting in July, 2020. And it was by far one of the hardest, weirdest moves I've ever had to make because it doesn't seem like that much of a jump to go into, you know, creative direction and coaching. Cause I've been doing it on the side for years at that point. What was interesting is that I, I remember I had people looking at me because I was a, a well-known voice in the copywriting space. Like it's, I, a lot of people knew who I was. I was very trusted. I was an authority. I could write a sales page with my eyes closed and one arm tied behind my back. And the people were like, well, if this is easy for you and you're successful, why do you want to leave? And for me, it was, I knew I could help more people and have more fun doing the work that I'm doing now. And I realized that while messaging and copy was like a piece of the puzzle, what I really enjoyed was bringing all the threads together and weaving them together in a way that not only makes for really cool brand and positioning, but also come at it in a way where the client really understands 
what they're talking about and what makes them special so that they can start to freestyle and they can start to develop their own approaches to things and experiment and just really have fun in the container they've built. So that's the very long story of how I I came to be where I am. I love it. I don't think that seems like a weird jump at all. In fact, that sounds like a very natural and organic evolution. I thought so too, but people call me crazy. Really? (laughs) Yeah. When you say copywriter, what what is that what does that cover? Is that content copywriting? Is that website messaging copywriting or all everything, anything that I, has words? I ran the gambit and if okay. it had words, I was there. My, I did a lot of content. I did content and social media like earlier okay. in my career, but towards the end, it was largely uh, web copy, sales copy and, and emails uh, where I was really shining. Okay. So yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, I kind of had to become a copywriter for websites because it just made the whole process easier as you're now finding, right? It's like a lot of clients, they don't understand the value of the copy and yet the copy is the whole thing. And we were selling design and I was going, yeah, but the design is easy. Once you have great copy and you understand the messaging. And so my organic evolution was from design to branding and copy to strategy to business strategy, because all of these things align. So to me, for you to write great copy, and this is how I felt. It was like, if I don't know the strategy and I don't know what you're, how you're positioned, how am I going to make you a great brand? Amen. I have to just do this first. And that's how it started, right? Like I'm just going to do this first and then we'll, we'll do the thing you want, even though that's where all the value is. And so it just doesn't surprise me at all. Like you went into the very place where it's like, well, this is where it all begins is the brand strategy and the positioning and what are you offering and how are you pricing it? And that's really business and brand strategy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I see this a lot in the copy world where and everyone's trying to skip steps, which is really, you know, frustrating mm-hmm. because you'll have a client who's like, okay, I need web copy and I need design. And it's like, great. What are you selling? Question mark. Like, right. great. Like, What's, what what are your, matter? What are your key <laughs> differentiators? Nice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what are your key different? I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I just show up and people like me and it's like, oh, okay, let's back it up. But one thing also that it solves for, which I see a lot, and you probably see this in your work too, is we have a lot of creatives and service providers who are kind of convinced they're pulling their like approach and work out of like thin air and osmosis where like, they're just like, they talk to a client and then some weird voodoo happens and then, then they spit out whatever it is that they do. And so what's been really, a really fun part of my work is having people sit down and be like, okay, what are the actual steps? What are you looking for and listening for? Why do you take certain approaches? What's actually happening? And when that's, that's such a game changer for people, because I think it's so easy to sell outcomes, but the outcomes are important, but how you get there and how you're able to explain it and talk about it can be so, so powerful. And that's a step I find a lot of people skip over as well. Uh, is this just like, Oh, I'm really good at what I do. People show up. We do a little, we, I do a little dance and then something magical happens. I don't know, but watching somebody understand their own process, their own approach, their own unique position in the market and really own it. Like that's, that's where the most magical, the coolest and the most fun stuff to watch happens. Yeah. That's creating your own process, your own IP. I think that everybody has their own IP and it's about how you, what you call it, how you describe it. And that's what you build your authority on really. I mean, I'm teaching, I'm teaching dozens of small branding agencies, our IP, our own. Yep process. Right. But I'm telling them, look, I'm going to tell you exactly how we do it. I want you to copy it as much as you can, because it's not going to be mine when you do it. It's going to yep. be yours because actually that, that voodoo 
that's the part that makes it yours. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So, you know, take my process, make it yours, put your voodoo in it and then make it and then it will be your IP and then yes. you can build your authority on it. And everyone can do that. And I totally agree. Most people to me, it's like a lost opportunity. It's like, yeah, people don't see it, but it's like, why not? That's how you double your price. Like, yes, with that IP. There's like a romance and just like not knowing how I do right. things. Like just I just, so good. I'm just yeah. magical. And every single creative on the planet has thought that at some point I used to think that, and it wasn't until I'd actually be interested to hear what this moment was for you, but it wasn't until I, I put together like my first ever copywriting course that I spent way too, it was like, this thing was a beast. It was a magnum opus, but I, it was the first time I'd ever have had to sit down and like reverse engineer my brain. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of what I do and a lot of of the focus of, you know, my teaching with my clients generally, like, yes, it's strategy. And yes, it's like learning to own your own hype and doing the thing. But overall, I find that what sets creatives free is building that skill of being able to notice their own ideas, notice their own minds and like see spot their own approaches and structure. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. It's that that first time is always tough. But I just remember sitting down and doing that work and just being like, oh, wow, I should be charging way more for this, which is always where you end up. But I think that it's such a, it's such a powerful tool that a lot of creatives forget about because when it comes to strategy, we're so quick to want to give up our own decision-making. We want someone to do it for us and tell us what to do and exactly what's going to work and, and all these things. And so, and tell us what, what makes us great and help them just hand us our process after witnessing the magic or whatever. And it just doesn't work that way. And I think that there is so much power in again, developing your, like figuring out how to reverse engineer what you do, how to isolate those, those sort of key points where you're really, where you're really doing something special. I think that that's where a lot of the bedrock of content courses, workshops, all of that comes from there. So I think watching that light bulb go off for my clients and also doing it in a coaching capacity, because as you know, as a consultant, I could just be like, okay, here's the thing. Go, here's what I see. Be free. But walking them through the process of digging it out themselves and watching them be in that tension and like holding them through that process. And it's so wildly empowering, like in every, in the traditional sense of the word empowering, because they can really take it and run it help it it solve it checks a lot of boxes in terms of showing them what's so valuable giving them a bedrock for everything going forward and teaching them that invaluable skill of learning to notice your own ideas and your own approach and stop just writing yourself off saying it must be magic and really developing that mastery that comes with being able to anchor into noticing your own approach and and what makes what you do different well i would argue that it isn't as valuable until you're aware of the process itself. Mm. I would argue that the very act of being able to explain it is what what levels up what you're offering because now you can show and you can confidently communicate that there is a repeatable process that is going to produce a reliable outcome. So I can sit here all day and say, outcome, 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 I'm selling it. But when I yes. can show the repeat, my process that gets you there, well, I believe you now. I believe you in a whole other way. Yes. So. That's so interesting in sales conversations too. I found that this became more important in coaching than it was in copy because like you copywriting, the way it's kind of interpreted is like you put money in my mouth and then words come. <laughs> 
words come out of it. Like words come out of my hands and they're like, okay, I just need this sales page. Can you do it for me? And there was, it, it required less of me to explain because the outcome was clear. The outcome was clear that you come to me, I will write copy for you. And then you will have the copy and go and be great. You know, so the process explanation wasn't as much of a need in the spaces that I was operating in then. But as soon as I was able to isolate it, and especially when I was able to isolate it for my coaching, there was so much less explaining and reassuring and like questions, questioning that I had to hurdle over. There was so much less of that. And I, I so agree with you. I think that we, it's so easy to sort of wave away signature process and, you know, cause you don't really need it. You've been selling stuff without it, but like that really is the key to the level up and understanding yourself as a, a service provider and brand in like a totally different way. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, I had yeah. a, quote process, you know, back in the day when it yeah. was just, oh, the process, you know, we have our discovery call yep. and then we on this and I give you yep. this right. It's like, no, that's not a process. That's just like the steps that everybody does, but that's yep. very different than, you know, my process. And there's a reason for everything in it. It's not something you can copy off of someone else without really, truly understanding why? Like yep. I remember like the whole mood board thing. Like we didn't do mood boards for a while because we didn't really understand. And we only implemented them once we had a reason for them. And all of a sudden they made a lot of sense. And now, you know, oh, there's a purpose for this. And I can take yeah. you through that, but it's not going to help if you're just implementing the things that you see everybody else doing. So yeah, your own process. That's such, so, so magical. And I love what you said about also finding it through this, like in content, in courses. I know I've built multiple courses at this point. It's a tough, it's a tough uh, experience to try to pull some of that stuff out, to try to explain it. But once you've explained it, it has so much more power. And then you can kind of, and you know, I don't train people on how to build courses. I don't think everyone should have a course, but I do tell people that everybody should create content and content is Mm -hmm. the act of trying to explain your genius. And the act of doing that is how you're going to learn it. And that's going to actually make you more confident when you're speaking about it. So I think even though so many people are like, I don't want to write, I'm like, I think everyone should write, you know, a hundred percent. Everyone should learn how to write hundred percent. And it's, it's, there's this great Joan Didion quote, and obviously she's an essayist, so slightly different field, but she was basically like, if I had any sense of my own mind at all, I never would have become a writer. I write precisely because I don't know what I'm thinking. Like I write to figure out. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's the whole, the quotes, like I write precisely to, to figure out like what I think, what I see and how I feel. And I think again, like for creatives, especially in the service space, because it's very like, or you're kind of, you're not, everyone's like an order taker, you know what I'm saying? But you're, there's all, there's work and there's stuff in front of you. And it's much more difficult to slow down and be like, okay, wait a minute, what's actually going on here? How do I explain it? Why do I make this choice versus that choice? And that was really where I put my stake in the ground initially around my brand, which is statement piece studio, because it's like, what is a statement piece? It's a, in, in my definition, it's a point of view, perspective, or personal philosophy that makes you different from everybody out there. And I think you're so correct. Like there's a lot of resistance to creating content. People are like, makes me tired. Like, I don't want yeah, I I to think <laughs> yeah, the, the worst, um, the worst. You know? but I think that also what we forget is there's so many different ways to produce content. Like there's, you can, you can do video. If you don't like writing, do a podcast, do video, like do there's do teach workshops, whatever feels good. I think that the writing piece, however, to your point is so essential because you're getting it down in black and white. 
And it's while the writing may not come naturally to everybody, it's so rewarding to sit down and actually be able to parse through your own thoughts and ideas and then look at it again. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like come back to it and be able to share it and have other people share it. There's something so powerful in that. And I think that again, really easy when your business may not necessarily need to be actively marketed. Let's say you're largely referral based. Let's say, you know, you don't have a problem. With I've leads. never need to mark. I've never had to market. Luckily I've never <laughs> had to market. How many people have said that to you? Yeah. It's like, like, first of all, you are marketing in some way. And second yeah. of all, you're coming to me because your business isn't what you need. So you yes. do need to market. It's, so I've never like, had to market as complete bull- bullshit. I'm like, I'm like, boy, do I have news for you, friend? <laughs> yeah. I think for the referral based business is usually where people land. It's like, I've never had to market myself. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, have though. Yeah. Um, because either it's clients sharing information about you, you showing up, like seeing your work, networking. You know, just because networking, absolutely. There's so many ways that you are marketing yourself, but also, and this is something I talk with my clients about a lot is that having an approach to content marketing is a form of insurance. Uh, it makes sure you're staying top of mind for people. It gives you, again, that space to play and be creative and discover your own ideas. But it's also a, a, a piece like brand equity is security. You know, if you have one referral client and then you guys have, you have one core referral client and then you guys have a falling out, guess what's going to happen? You know, and I think it's wonderful to have a referral business. I love my referrals. We do gift boxes. It's a whole pamper thing. You know, we love it. But I think that what is where, where people kind of dismiss content marketing is like inconvenient or something extra because they haven't had to market. They also haven't had to be in a vulnerable position where they've needed to reach out directly to leads. And that may still be coming around the bend. So I think developing a practice of self-promotion and content, like it serves you in so many ways, people resistance is futile. (laughs) I, I could not agree more. And I really see it as the difference between, you know, working for, for cash and like building an asset, you know, yeah. an asset that it might as well be a piece of real estate, you know, it's yeah. real estate online and you can do a lot of things with it. Like not to mention all the personal growth and you know skills of communication and communication and understanding what you think and being able to say that in eloquent ways, like all and, of that is very valuable, but the asset yeah. itself, like is yep. your business going to just shrivel up, you know, the second you go on vacation or not is reliant on whether or not you're doing some sort of content marketing. So stay top of mind friends. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's so interesting about this is that like, I, I started writing in earnest around like 2015. So I would have been four or five years into my business then. And even then my content strategy was one blog post a month. One, that was it, but they were good. And that's where you start. Exactly. And that's where it starts. That's where it starts. And I think that the, they also think when people think content strategy, they think they need to be everywhere, which they don't. Right. Um, they think, and they need to be posting on Instagram three times a day, which they don't, you know, and I think that there's, there's a lot, I think, unlearning we have to do around also overcomplicating our own strategies. Cause I've had clients take a swing at planning their content strategy. And it's like, there's a lot of detail. It's just, there's just so many tiny little elements that they're trying to control for. And they're trying to be the most strategic and like, make sure everything's really precise and they don't want to waste a second of their time, which I understand. But I think that when you hold 
content, your approach to content strategy a little more loosely and focus on what's going to help you show up, have fun and be consistent as first priority. Like that's when things really start to roll. I think the best system is the one that works for your brain. There's so many different ways to do things, but I think giving creatives the opportunity to like reflect on why they resist planning and content strategy. And then thinking of an approach that's actually going to feel good and doable for them. Like you really start to see the light bulb go off and then they start and that momentum starts to build. And it's like, oh, that's what everyone was on about, about this whole thing. Well, I, I mean, I can completely relate to that feeling too, even outside of content strategy, just building a business, right? There's like yeah. so many things I want to do and I've slight perfectionist tendencies. So, you know, if I'm not doing it all the way, then I don't want to do it at all. But of Amen. course, the best thing you can do is actually do things, you know, dip your toe, do this part first, do it like to your point, mm -hmm. I love what you said. It's the habit of the consistency. That's the most important thing. And if you can just show up consistently for, for a period of time and then start to add on it, that'll take you far. And it doesn't have to be so crazy, but it's definitely yeah. better than just relying on business, uh, on referrals. Cause at least there's something going on. But yep. on top of that, you're actually training your own brain to think about your business. Like, like you are building this asset and you're all, you're doing something that's going to support you even when you're not there. So absolutely. And I think again, like we, it's not just strategy. It isn't just for fancy people. I and mean, that there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of us in them and they did in like the creative search provider space too, where you see like the heavyweights doing the Facebook ads and the webinars and the, the, the perfect Instagram. Well, that's what you see. Exactly. That's you see because that's, they're doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> exactly. That's the Instagram grid. Right. And there are whole teams behind that. And it's all like, I, I have a small team, you know, but I think that we get, it's so easy to get so intimidated. And this is, you're right. The all or nothing thinking it's a trap people. Like there are so many different ways to do this. And the key with business and, and marketing yourself generally, like more than the fancy spreadsheets and pretty Instagram grids, it's just showing up at all. And when you start to do that consistently, you're already ahead of like 50% of the industry who's already, who's sitting over there convincing themselves they're way too creative oh, for content More, more than 50%. Yeah, I'm that's gonna, true. That's true. I would say like 85% yeah, of people are not doing it, but we, but it doesn't seem like that because yeah. who are you seeing? You're seeing the people who are doing it. So, yeah, exactly you know, right. and, and the other thing that I think is it can be very hard to motivate people to start is that it's not good enough or I'm going to, you know, especially mm -hmm. if you're going to do video or something, you've never done this before. I mean, I remember yes. when I did my first podcast, I was like, Oh, the red light is on, you know, and I had done a lot of video before yeah. that, and all of a sudden that stupid red light. And I don't <laughs> want to say anything. I, I lost my words. The only way to get past that is to do it. So, you know, what's the quote? Like if you're not embarrassed by what you did six months ago or a year ago, it means you're not growing. Like, let's be real. I think part of what really stops people from showing up is like, they're afraid to, embarrass themselves. And it's like high school never ends. So everyone's also afraid of looking like they're trying too hard. Yeah. Or being we're all connected separate. to our freaking high school friends exactly. online too. So high school literally didn't end. <laughs> it never did help us, please. What is this hell? But yeah. And I think that, that that's something we have to overcome too. I think when you start taking your business seriously and you want to build it, like it is going to feel a little weird, like getting out on the stage and doing your little self-promotion tap dance yeah. uh, with what, uh, on whatever schedule you're on. But it is it's so worth it. And it's just so funny because everybody's got the same hurdles. Like I'm too creative. I feel awkward. Like I don't want to look desperate. Yes. I don't want to like, if I, if I invite people to book with me, like, will they think I have no clients and like all of these things that 
are interesting stories, but yeah. at the end of the day, like you have to, you have to show up, you have to make the offer. Like if you want to be secure, like you've got to go out and figure out how to do your little dance and overcome that. Like, what if no one sits at my lunch table? Because people will, you know, and give people a chance to love you and see you. That's the other part of this. It's like, what if everyone thinks I'm lame? Well, what if everyone thinks you're great? Or what if some people think you're great and some people think you're lame? Like, (laughs) cause that's what will be right. Cause nobody is everybody's flavor. So, you know, some people are going to like you. Some people aren't going to like you. And you know, what is it worth to have a business that you like a business that gives you a life that you want? I mean, I, I struggled with all of these things like everyone does. And I, and to this day, even I remember there's kind of like a mantra in my own head where it's like, wait a second, what the fuck do I care? Like, you know, who cares, but it's still in there. Right. Cause it's, I don't know why it's why we are all given that. Is that just human nature? I think it's like, so I think the anthropological theory is that we're herd animals. So like we want to stay in the in group. Uh, So I think that's part of it, but also I think social media, just the nature of it, like the the judging, valuing things by the number of likes and comments you get starting with a small audience. And I know we're, we're talking about like this is in the context of content, but this is business at large as well, of course. Principles. Yeah, but seeing the seeing those like small like counts or like no comments or anything, like you're kind of screaming into the void initially with a small audience, like that can feel super awkward for people. And yes. so they don't want to get through that. They don't want to get through their awkward, weird marketing adolescence. So they just don't start <laughs> and they leave themselves vulnerable. And like, yes, it does. It can be crappy, but there's such a blessing to that small audience that honestly, it, like, I sometimes wish my audience was like what it was back when I started because I was fearless. You know, there was so much less to be worried about, you know, cause no one would see it. So I could make mistakes. Right. I could share, like get real weird with it. Yeah. I could make your uh, mistakes now. Yes. That's exactly. a perfect example. Like get it out of the way, make that crappy video now. Yes. You know, you're, you're bummed. You don't have a hundred thousand followers. Imagine doing a video with a hundred thousand followers. Exactly. Like, that's scary. Exactly. And we did this. That was actually part of the reason why. So Margo and I do the show, Hillary and Margo yell at websites, ham y'all on yes. YouTube. And part of the reason why, so it's like, it's a time we call it a cult hip marketing show. It's so very small, but we love it. And the, a big part of the purpose was because we were not good on video. And so we wanted to learn how to get better on video. Like that was one of our metrics for doing it. And because we felt like idiots doing it by ourselves, we were like, let's do this together. And that's to the point we were talking about earlier, where you can make your approach to content, whatever you are and marketing yourself, whatever you want, you know, whatever format looks best for you, whatever platform, you know, whatever way you like to play, like have fun with it. But I, I look at those early videos and it's like, Jesus Lord. Like I have, I was my, I, my, my desk is in my living room and <laughs> I was flipped around. So behind me was my living room. So for a few ep- for like a bunch of episodes, I had this like privacy screen that was like this woven wood, I guess. And so I thought it was fine. I just had a wooden privacy screen behind me. And then somebody commented, why is Hillary always sitting in a basket? And I was like, oh, no, you're right, friend. I do look like I'm, I look like I'm in jail a little bit. I look like I'm in tropical jail. But it was in like the lighting and just the way we talked and the way the editing was done. Like, and now I'm like, oh, geez. But if we hadn't, if we hadn't gone through it, we wouldn't have gotten as good as we are on video and off the cuff. And I think that there's not enough praise for that awkward stage. You either see someone not at all, or you see them at their most polished a lot of the time. And I would say that I think I, I, I wish there was a way to like freeze people in time. 
and be like, do you see, this is where they were a year. This is but like around where you are now. Like this was what their first video looked like. Scroll you know? back, you know, yeah, like, that's go, true. like scroll up anyone's Instagram and you yeah. can see the phases that they went through. You can see the trends. Like if you go yes. far enough back, you're like, oh, that's when everybody was putting lots of like that vintage you know that stickers came in and like yeah. a sticker for a hot second or whatever yeah. it is you can you know everybody everybody did it everyone who's doing it did it and yeah you know not to mention you know any sort of I think a lot of people are scared of judgment or mm. or, or you know the the rogue mean comment it's you know people who are doing stuff aren't mean <laughs> like people That's, who are yeah. creating don't hate on other creators you know yep. like and 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 people who do create respect anybody who's trying to do it because you have because you do because you know what it's like so just yeah. let it go yeah. and, and get into it that's like that great quote i think it's by teddy roosevelt about the arena um where it's like it's really easy to be a critic in the stands throwing rocks but the ones in the arena don't care it's such an inspiring visual because like, don't you want to be in the arena? You know, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? That's a chance for everybody to see you. I think the, the record, the realization that a lot of my clients have, and I'm sure it's the same for you, that if everything in business from the way you approach self-promotion to the way you do your offers to the way that you launch, like everything can be adapted and changed according to what works best for you. Like it's very easy to get caught up in this idea that there's only one way to do things, but the blessing is that, you know, you don't, you feel like a week long launch window is too tight. Great. Do it for a month and yeah. vice versa. I love that. I mean, I'm yeah. all about reverse engineering. What do you want this yeah. to be? Okay. So then let's just figure out what you need to do to get there. No, I think that's such a great point. Hey guys, I wanted to jump in here really quickly and ask you for a big favor. If you love this podcast, if you love this episode, I would be grateful if you would share it with a friend who would benefit or better yet on Instagram in your stories and tag me at Pia Loves Your Biz. It really is the best way for others to find out about the show and I thank you in advance for your help. All right, back to the episode. I want to talk to you for a second about your latest photo shoot because I love it so much. So, well, first of all, it's on brand. Like it, it, I feel like it's a, it's an extension slash level up of your existing brand, right? Yeah. Like you've got this like Mondrian inspired. Yes, <laughs> like, I do. Primary colors, baby. Primary mm -hmm. colors all the way. So you already had photo shoots in this, but you really yes. took it to a different level. And I, I just did. wanted to point it out because everyone should go look Thank you. Um, because it is so fun. It's so branded. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just curious about it. <laughs> Where, how did you decide? Well, explain it to us because they don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, let me, uh, let me paint the yeah, picture. Paint us a picture with your words. So the, if you check out, it's on my Instagram at H-C-Y-S, that's H-C-W-E-I-S-S. -S. And I, so it's basically what I did with this one for those listening is it's all, it's monochrome. So I have three prime, I have three colors for my brand. They are red, yellow, and blue primary colors, very Mondrian, very chic, very now and very then. But <laughs> timeless, um, exactly timeless, timeless darling. So I really loved the idea of doing a monochrome shoot. I've uh, done it with clients before, but never for myself. And so I was like, okay, wait a minute. What if we do three different, like three different colors, we're going to do a vibe for each color. And then I want something to demonstrate that like the vibe is different. And so I settled on, and this was actually the idea that hit me first because I was, I was in the back of this car and I looked at this billboard and there was, I think like an absolute ad or something on the billboard. And I just remember being like, man, 
drink advertising is just the best, like beverage advertising. <laughs> it's just always colorful and fresh and always makes me thirsty. So I was like, Oh, wait a second. So I can do three different colors, three different looks, three different vibes and three different beverages because in a photo shoot, it's often really helpful when, so we do this is something called conceptual branding, which was basically like a term coined by my mentor, Sarah Ashman. But I do this a lot with my clients around their photo shoots where we sit down and yes, we do the whole brand strategy, but then we develop a visual language through photography that aligns with the larger idea, you know, of the brand and makes it really memorable, very shiny, very colorful, very bright, very funny, lots of props. So that's, that's the basis of, of what I'm the reason why I was coming at it with that specific mindset. But I decided that I also wanted to represent because I'd spent, I spent about a year and a half just in this branding all day, every day, positioning, creative direction conversation. And so the way I saw it, you know, there are three different parts of you that kind of create your brand. And it's the little extra something, something you bring to the table. It's the truth that you tell, the way the way that you see things, your point of view, which we were talking about earlier. And then the energy that you bring to everything. Like, because everyone has a different type of energy. Like I'm, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very high energy, very fast talking, <laughs> very, very bright, very, very hype energy. But you may, some people have a more nurturing, calm energy. Some people have that big sister mama bear energy. Some people have that like uh, wildly creative kind of vibe. And it's, it's, that is also another element of the brand. So with these three elements, I chose a color for each, a look for each and a beverage for each, just because also I wanted to have fun and I was directing myself and I was like, let's have a good time. So the red I'm in this, it's an all red, red background, red dress, a red drink, which is a red martini, as a matter of fact. And I also have, because the disco ball is my logo. So I also have a disco bottle cover that I actually found on eBay. It's from an absolute campaign from 2007. Yeah, I, I did. We you did some all the way. We did some good. I, I had no half assing. I don't think I've seen that photo. Only whole assing. Oh, it's, it's one of the first ones. So the all red me is Madam Extra. It's that little extra something, something you bring to the table. So she's in all red and she's got this great Marilyn Monroe hair um, and she's mixing these lovely cocktails. And then the, the truth that you tell is the blue character. I forget what I called her, what I called her, but she's making tea, right? Because you spill the tea when you tell the truth. And I got this big blue tea set that I'm playing with because it's good to have props on a photo shoot. It gives you something to do with your hands, you know? And then the, and she's in a very like artistic like blue, there's like a beret and some elbow length gloves. I really just went all out with that outfit. It's very like beatnik. And then the yellow version of me is Madame Electric Energy. And that is the all yellow look. And for that look, I'm making a smoothie, which was really fun <laughs> to create on the production side because I, I needed to bring six different things just to create one fake smoothie. Uh, and so we have that. There's a picture of it in the blender with like the little disco it. balls. I love it with the blender. Yeah. Yes. And we have, we have for the tea look, we have the disco balls, the tea bag. And so the, the the reason why I did it that way is they were, first of all, it looks really cool and it's fun. Um, and two, I'm using the photos as prompts for content as well. And it's for social media. It's eye-catching. It's very beautiful. It's sort of unlike uh, something else, anything else that's out there. And so while I'll be using the photos on my site, I really wanted to take the time to do a shoot just to tell these stories. Um, and to kind of bring my audience up to date with where I'm at now and the level that I'm at now. And it was just really, really fun to do. And I could create all these three characters. The extra one is very like, have a drink, darling. The second one is very like, oh, I don't know about that. And the third is very like, woohoo. So it's just, it was really fun to let my imagination run wild. And I think that's 
the key to, you know, a, a memorable brand shoot is really giving yourself a chance to create that visual language with help or on your own and let your freak flag fly a little bit, you know? I love ass. it. I love it so much. Can I ask you a very specific question? Absolutely. Yes. Because you're doing lots of fun things in these photos. Okay. How, how did you plan out or not all the things that you would be doing as it relates to the content that you would be creating? Like, did you come up with like general kinds of things you, I mean, or like lay out what, I mean, you already have a content strategy, but like looking at oh, yes. this. Yes. Yes. I, I was thinking about like what I'm most passionate talking about. And like, I can talk brand, like the tech, like the technical side of brand strategy all day, but what people want to hear about is that nuance that in between, like, how do you like for a long time, everyone was like, I love your energy. Your energy is so great. I was like, my energy is the most least is the least interesting thing about me. Like, what do you mean? You love my energy. Like you, I'm aren't, don't you love that? I'm a super smart genius who like does the thing super quickly and all these things. And just basically, and with the, the extra, with the Madam extra, it's, we talk about surprise and delight. Like, what do you bring into the table? That's a little beyond what everyone else does. You know, it kind of gives me buckets for content according to each color and each kind of experience. And so that's how I planned it out. Like the reason why Madam extra is serving cocktails is because something extra that I bring to the table is the fun. And I also like to go a little over the top because, you know, I'm blonde and that's the way we do things out here. And then the blue with the tea, that's actually the one I envisioned first because I wanted to have some more honest conversations about what I thought. And blue is a very calming color. And it gave me a reason to come out in public again with the way that I see things. So for example, one of the blue posts was about the dark side to being a critic and making industry critique like a core component of your marketing strategy. Because that was the case for me a number of years ago. And there were some there were some good outcomes and some less good outcomes about it. And I wanted you to mean talk you about were that. Very, you were very vocal about what was wrong with the industry? And yes, exactly. Industry uh -huh. critique. I want to specify like industry critique is awesome and healthy. The way I was doing it was that I was positioning myself as the only one with the truth and all the answers totally by accident. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so easy you have to, to do be, that. Yeah, bingo. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. Yeah. So that's what I was talking about. You have there. to preface everything with, I don't have the answer, but here's yeah. my answer. <laughs> However, yeah, exactly. However. I, wasn't, I was, wasn't doing that because I'm, oh, <laughs> I'm not that smart, but no. And then the, the energy side of things, like you see, there's one with me with the smoothie and I'm talking about aftercare. Like, how do you take care of yourself after like a heavy sprint in your business? How do you treat yourself? How do you reward yourself? How do you rest? And so it really gave me, those are just examples, but I have so much to talk about in those three categories. It just all fit together really well and inspired me to come out uh, and start creating more of my own content again, because for also a long time, I had a team who was repurposing existing content. And so I wanted a chance to kind of get, get back into the spotlight again, write my own stuff, say, you know, say what I really think and, and play in, play in the sandbox really the way I encourage my clients to. So it's been good to be back in the game with some really fun photos to do it with. I'm so curious about, especially as a content creator and yeah. as a copywriter and as the bearer of your voice to, to hire out, to repurpose content to not versus not, yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Like it's so hard. It's so yeah. hard to let somebody else write for you. It's so even repurposing is still writing yeah. for you, right? You say like, well, you're basically using my words, so you're not really writing, but you're still picking and you're yeah. still editing and stuff. Like what was your experience with that? Did you feel like you were able to get it to a hundred percent or 90% or 80%, but that's fine. Or like, 
you know, I, I don't think, I don't think any writer worth their salt is going to say that someone else gets their voice a hundred percent, you know, but I yeah. settle for like a, a strong B plus to like okay. a minus, you know, but I think, so that was, well, so here's what was interesting about that to me, because I, it's very easy to get precious about your voice in the industry. And I've met a lot of people who are like, I could never hire a copywriter. Like no one could ever replicate my voice. Everyone would know they'd be up. And the answer is most people don't have any idea. I think when your voice is distinct and you have certain phrases that you use in certain cadence, what you really want is a writer who understands the strategy and also the cadence and tone of your voice. Like those are the most important things. So it took me a, a while to find the right person. And part of the reason why I decided to hire it out is because I just wasn't doing it. I had so much else on my plate. I was like, okay, I need to swallow my pride because I was so proud of always doing a hundred percent my own content hundred percent of the time, but it got to the point where I just could impossible. not yeah. balance both. It's impossible. And I was really lucky that I found she's, um, she's, we have parted ways. I'm actually working with a new agency this month, but she was fabulous. Her name's Hunter Welling. Um, she was awesome. And she was, she was doing my content for me. And she was like really that unicorn person at that intersection of great writer and funny, like great style and also a great grasp of overall strategy and just like very professional, great to work with. And we worked together for a little over a year and it was just great to be able to hand that to somebody and just put those pieces together. And was there stuff, like when we started, I was a lot more hands-on with the editing. I was like, I wouldn't say this, but eventually I got so busy where I was, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do a one minute read through of all of this. And then I'm going to let it run. And also it was an experiment to be like, is anyone going to notice that it's not me? And no one noticed. (laughs) I mean, I was also open about it. So I don't think that anyone was like, someone seems to be writing Hillary's content, but she just did a wonderful job. And it was really a lesson for me in growth because inherently on the road to creating, you know, different stuff for our businesses, outsourcing, being able to build and have the lives that we want. And like, we are going to have to stop being so precious about certain aspects of the business at some point. And so for me, I was just basically like, all right, am I going to grow up and just let this woman take care of this for me? Or am I going to be stubborn and dig my heels in? And ultimately I was really glad that I had that experience and had it be so positive. I was very lucky, but it also taught me again about the importance of like being able to let go, like even of those parts of your business that, you know, you quote unquote should be doing yourself. Like, what is it like when you hand that off to a capable person who, while it may not totally eradicate the workload, cause you still want to make edits and all that, like having somebody who can get it 95% of the way there, like that's a gift. And I'm really grateful for that experience. You know, part of what I teach these agency owners to do is to build their authority. So they have to yeah. create content and I'm kind of giving them the, the play-by-play on how to do it. And it's on the one hand, you know, you have to outsource some of this stuff. Like you can't mm-hmm. be the one doing the heavy lifting. You don't have time to do all of this stuff. On the other hand, what we were saying earlier, which is the very act of doing this is how you're going to figure out what hundred percent, you know? And so a lot of times, like what I kind of try to help them do is for the, the process that I help I teach them, which is what I have been doing for years too. It's like, mm-hmm. you got to be the originator of the ideas. You know, yep. you have to spill the the core concepts onto the page, but you can let somebody else take that and, and frame it and, and create it into a, something that's edited. That's, you know, well, well organized and written, and that's good enough. I still find that the act of really getting it to a publishable does require thinking through the ideas much more thoroughly, 
And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little torn. I mean, I did my own, all my yeah. own writing to the editing through the, to the publishable piece. I did that for years. And I think yeah. that was a really valuable uh, learning experience, but I don't necessarily sell people on the fact that they should do that for well, years. <laughs> I'm so glad you raised this point. Cause it's such an important distinction. I, if my clients have no content, don't, don't hire it out yet. Like, right. I think it's so important to have a body of work first, because then not only does your, whoever you're hiring to outsource or write it, have a buttload of stuff to pull from, but you are clear on your ideas and what is yours and what is not yours. And I ran into this so much in my copywriting days when I was creating content and writing social posts, like I would create content and social posts for women who had no online presence. Like they were not blogging for themselves, hence they'd right. hired it out. But we would always run into issues because they didn't, they had no experience creating for themselves. They were upset that I couldn't be a mind reader. Like everything felt incomplete. And I was like pushing a boulder up a hill. So I think that, I think that like content is kind of like cooking, you know, like you should be, you need to be able to do it for yourself. Cause if you have to order in every night and then all of a sudden, like everything shuts down due to COVID or something, you're kind of helpless and making ramen forever. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's, it's, I think the, I encourage the way I encourage my clients to look at it is like, they should spend at least six months creating their own content and like setting themselves up with whatever schedule works for them. It should be a year, but like six, you know, six months and then bring somebody in to assist because then they're going to be clear on all these things that we were talking about earlier. It was like, what do you actually think? How do you see things? Like, what's your tone of voice? What's your point of view? So that then when with enough of a solid foundation to pull from, someone else can come in and start doing it for you and sort of recreating that. Because if I wasn't sitting on it, like that's part of why I hired Hunter. I was like, I'm sitting on a mountain of content. Like I write to my list every week. I have a million. Yeah. I'm posting on social at least three times, three times a week. I am like, I'm always creating, always writing. I have courses to pull from. Like the, I do my video, I do my show. I'm on interviews like this. Creating exactly. New this right. feels, <laughs> this feels obscene. Yes. Like I'm just creating too much stuff. And so that's when I brought her in and I'm, I'm sure it's the same for you. So I think that like, while can you outsource content immediately? Like, sure. But is that they the just best? source it from other people's articles? Exactly. What those content writing companies Farms. are offering. They're like, oh, yep. you don't have to do anything. It's like, this is also not going to mean anything or say anything because it's just a, a regurgitation of other people's articles. Ding, ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. And that's again, to bring a full circle back yeah. to the point we were talking about, like, this is why it's so important to, because con like content is the easiest portal to that practice of studying your own ideas yes, and the way you uniquely see things and all those things that make you memorable, unforgettable, valuable, and capable of charging lots and lots of money. Lots so it all starts money. there, right? Lots <laughs> and lots of money. Okay. Hillary, this has been so much fun. I love your energy and other things maybe too, but yeah. your energy primarily. I respect uh, it. I, <laughs> I love your brand. I love your brand. And I don't say that lightly. I, I really don't like anyone's brands. Oh, <laughs> you're so sweet. I'm very <laughs> judgmental about people's brands, but I love Me your too. brand um, you. because it's so you're because you're doing it. You know, I don't think people own their brands enough. I don't think yeah. people really, like step into them and you're like, you're all over. That. It's me, baby. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 24 seven. You can't miss it in a great way, in a great thank way. You. Um, you. so thank you for coming on. Um, everybody I'm sure has been listening to this, just scrolling through all your stuff. Just been, like, <laughs> really hyping it up. But if you guys haven't been, you should definitely go download, um, her free statement piece 
framework on her website. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, but also just check out all her stuff and get super inspired. I'm inspired. I want to go do a monochrome photo shoot now. Listen, I I know a gal who can help uh, you with that. And it's uh, it's me. Oh yeah. (laughs) With like bunny ears or things. Yes. We're going to get all the things. Let's get crazy. Let's Let's do it. All the things. Yeah. So many ideas, too many ideas. I didn't need more ideas. Hillary. Thanks (laughs) so much. You're so welcome. <laughs> Appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. It was fantastic yeah, to be yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. If you're feeling inspired like I am, then head over to hillaryweiss.com backslash statement piece framework and take advantage of this woman's brilliant work. I will link to it in the show notes at piasilva.com backslash podcast. Taking inspiration from Hillary today, are you ready, finally, to do something? Anything and put yourself out there knowing that you are going to be embarrassed about it in six months or a year. Oh my gosh, I am embarrassed about everything I did before 2020, (laughs) probably even later than that. It's just part of the gig. I know, I know you want it to be perfect. I know that you don't put yourself out there, whether in articles or on social media or in videos, because it's not good enough yet. Well, guess what? It's never going to be good enough until you start doing it. I know, I know you don't want to email people because you don't have anybody on your email list. Well, guess what? This is the perfect time to email people then because you need to cut your teeth. You need to get started. You need to send the terrible emails and make the terrible videos. And you want to do it when you don't have a huge audience. Take it from me, it's better that way. And as your audience grows, so will your skills and your confidence. This is the path to building your authority online. And I know, I know you've built your business on referrals until now. You haven't had to market. Lucky you. If you want a business that is going to last the test of time, if you want a business that is going to give you more and more every single year. And if you don't want to be scared all the time where your next client is coming from, you have to put some sort of strategy, take some sort of action, do something consistently to make sure you're getting in front of those prospects and being seen and reminding them that you exist all the time. It doesn't have to be all-encompassing. You don't have to do as much as Hillary is doing or as I am doing. Goodness knows I was not doing all of this when I started at all. I started with an email that I would send out twice a month. That was it. You can do it too. And the sooner you start, the sooner you're going to get to that point where you're embarrassed by what you're doing right now. And you'll know that you grew. And that's one of the best things you can do if you want to show your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Steve Wasterball. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. Western Runners.